Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on October 23, 2022. Repent or die. That's a tough way to open a sermon. But if you use a Bible like mine, the NIV, it has topical headings added to each section. And today's heading is entitled, Repent or Perish. Calling people to repent is a tough topic, and this passage is a very serious call to repentance. And repent or die is a good summary of what Jesus said. Before we read it, let me back up to say this. We have been in the Gospel of Luke for over a year, and we're only about halfway through. And we're only about halfway through. Why so much time in this one book? And I want you to understand my heart because it's the story and the teaching and the heart of Jesus. And there is no person or subject that is more important to who we are and what we believe and how we live. And I really do want you to know the heart and the life and the mind and the teachings of Jesus. If you only have one hero... I want it to be Jesus. If you only know one life other than your own, I want it to be the life of Jesus. If you only have one word in your prayer, I want it to be calling out to Jesus. If you're called to summarize our faith in one word to other people, I want that one word to be Jesus. If you only know one book in the Bible, I want it to be one of the Gospels of Jesus. If you only have one word of advice for other people, any other people, I want you to point them to Jesus. And understand who we are. We are not a political organization. We are not a moral organization. We're not primarily a social ministry or organization. We are a Jesus organization. And so if it takes me another few years to finish the Gospel of Luke, I'm not going to worry about it. I want you to know Jesus more than anything else I could ever possibly share with you. But to fully understand Jesus, you need to know the tough words and the hard words of Jesus as well. And today we're going to read some of them. It's not the passage that I would choose if I were looking for a home run of a sermon. It's not a fun topic. It's not highly quotable. You will probably never see a Facebook meme with one of the verses in today's passages, nor will you find any of today's passages posted on someone's wall or bumper sticker. But if you want to know Jesus and you really want to understand Jesus, and that's my heart and goal for all of us, then you need to understand the tough passages as well as the fun ones. So we're reading a tough one today. It's a serious call to repentance by Jesus to the Jews, the disciples, and don't miss out on it. It's a serious call to repentance for each of us as well. So it's Luke 13, verses 1 through 9. Let's stand together as we read it. Luke 13 and verses 1 through 9. And here's what Jesus said. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. 
And Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Are those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. And then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. You may be seated. As you can see, these are tough words and a tough passage. Obviously, Jesus is calling the Jews and the disciples and Americans and Baptists and Avondale Baptist churchers to repentance. So let's break it down and make sure we understand everything that is in this passage. I want to share with you four things that Jesus is teaching in this passage. And the first, and I hope you get this and understand what Jesus is saying, because it's a reality that a lot of people don't believe or, or, or accept, but the truth is our world is broken. The stories of cruelty have not changed from Jesus' day. Pilate was a cruel leader. We don't know all the details about this particular story that they came to tell Jesus about, but Pilate had had some Galileans killed, apparently in the temple, and their blood mingled with the blood from animal sacrifices, a horrible and terrible and appalling thing to Jews. But Pilate is not. And Herod is not the only cruel leader this world has known. The world is broken. If you know history, you know the stories between Jesus' day and our day of cruel leader after cruel leader after cruel leader. If you remember history, you remember some of their names, Attila the Hun, Genghis Khan, Ivan the Terrible, Queen Mary, also known as Bloody Mary, because of the Protestants, people like you and I, that she had killed Stalin, Hitler, Pol Pot, Putin, hundreds more. It's been a constant cruelty after cruelty after cruelty. It's not just an isolated leader here or there. The world is broken, and so are the human beings who live in it. Jesus himself pointed out a human tragedy that had recently occurred. What about the 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell? Those kinds of horrible things still happen today. The world is broken. We like to find blame for all that's going wrong in the world. The Jews, like people today, were often victim blamers. Were the Galileans more guilty than others? They asked, is that why they died, Jesus? And Jesus said, no, 
there is something deeper at work here. Were the 18 who died in the temple of Siloam, were they killed because they were more guilty than others? No, Jesus said. There's something deeper at work here. The world is broken and sinful, and it's been that way since the time of Adam and Eve. And the world is still broken. And we keep thinking today, we're going to be the generation to fix it. It's irretrievably broken to its core. And so are we, the people who live in it. With tragedy after cruelty, after horror, after disaster, it's time to understand there's something deeper going on. We're broken. One of the questions that pastors get, I mean, all the time, I can boil down to one word. Why? Why did I get cancer and others did not? War. Explain that, Pastor. Why do these things happen and innocent people, often children, killed? Why? Why do hurricanes destroy one community and miss another one just miles away? Explain that, Pastor. Why? Why do hunger and drought absolutely destroy some nations while others have plenty? Why? COVID, why? Fentanyl, why? Homelessness, why? The bullet hit my child, not theirs, why? I wish I had easy answers to the why questions, but I don't. You probably know that I'm not a highly outwardly emotional person. But oftentimes when I hear these stories of horrible tragedy, I really just want to cry. There's something seriously wrong with our world. And it hits us hard. And the bigger truth, don't blame the victims, don't blame Pilate, don't blame Herod. Oh, they've got their share of blame, but Jesus was teaching us this world is broken and Jesus is the only answer. From the very beginning, it's been human nature to blame. When you're young and grown up, it's my parents' fault. They raised me wrong. Then when you're as old as I am, you start blaming the next generation. It's my kids. That's why I have gray hair. That's why I'm getting old. It's the kids' fault. The current political ads, of which I hope you're as tired of them as I am, but the current political ads... It's all the Democrats' fault. And then the next one says, it's all the Republicans' fault. Some people blame the system. Some people blame the nation. Some people find a nation to blame. It's Russia's fault or a race of people or men or women. Remember Adam? It's her fault. But then he deflected it to God. It's the woman you made. It's your fault. So I'm off the hook. It's her and it's you, but it's not me. And Jesus made it clear. We're all guilty. It's not them. It's us. It's not the Democrats or the Republicans. 
It's not the Russians. It's not Putin's. It's not criminals. It's not mom or dad. It's not the system. Jesus taught that we're all guilty. There's no hope for any of us. Not a single one of us. Until we say, it's me. It's my fault. It's my mess. I'm guilty. I have a problem. Jesus said to all of us, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. He could have pointed the finger at Pilate. Yeah, the man's a horrible, cruel coward, and Jesus would face that himself in the coming months. But he didn't. He was honest. We're all guilty. We all have issues. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. And until we're willing to say, it's me, and I need God's help, we'll never be healed. I've communicated this week with a 60-plus-year-old man who has, and he has had for years, major life issues. He blames his long-dead parents and a church that he hasn't been to for over 40 years who failed to help him when he thought he needed it. Now, his church may be at fault. I don't know. I wasn't there. His parents may be at fault. I don't know. They seem like good people to me. But he won't receive any real healing. And I tried to communicate this to him, and I'm not sure that I got through. Until he's willing to say, it's me, God. I've blown it. I've messed up. I'm guilty. I can't blame anyone else for the mess I'm in. I need help. Until you're willing to say, I'm guilty. That's what Jesus taught. You don't receive the help, the healing, and the forgiveness that you need. Now, that was a 60-plus-year-old man. I've also communicated this week with a 20-plus man with major life issues. He blames his bosses and the world for his issues. Now, maybe he hasn't had the best bosses. I don't know about that. Maybe he has had his share of tough breaks. Doesn't seem to me like they're any more difficult than anyone else has faced. But he won't receive healing until he says, It's me, God. I've blown it. I have issues. I've messed up. I've sinned. And I can't blame anyone else for my mess. I'm guilty, God. I need help. And so understand the truth that Jesus is getting at. You want to blame the victims. They died because they were guilty. And that tower fell because they were guilty. And Jesus said, here's the truth. We're all guilty. All of us will die separated from God. Unless we admit, it's my issue. It's my problem. I'll take responsibility and then I will turn to God and I will repent and call on him. The truth is, listen, the world is guilty, but we can't blame the world because we're part of it. And so Jesus taught, we're all guilty. And so that's why repentance is needed. Now, now listen, look at me. Because I'm not telling you you're guilty and trying to make you feel ashamed just to leave you at that. I'm telling you you're guilty 
And all of us ought to be ashamed for things that we've done in an effort to lead you to turn to God in repentance. And then it's a good thing. My goal is simple. I want you to know that God has called you and me to repent, to turn away from an unhealthy and ungodly lifestyle and turn to him in faith. God commanded that, but more importantly, I want you to understand, God allows that. Yes, you've messed up. I want to help you. Yes, you've done stupid. I want to help you. Yes, you're in a deep, deep hole that you've dug yourself. I want to offer you a hand and pull you out. And for that to happen, repentance is needed. And that's when we receive healing. Blaming everybody else doesn't do a thing for you except you make, make you old and mean and bitter. It's when you say, it's my fault. And God, I want help. That You begin to receive healing and forgiveness. Repentance and the shame and the guilt that led to it is a gift of God that allows you to turn your life around. So to the emotionally battered, and there are some of you here today, I want you to say, here's what God is saying to me. Turn to me in repentance and faith, and I will offer you peace and healing. To those caught in serious addictions, and there are some of you here today, God says, turn to me, and I will help you turn your life around. To those who are stuck in a rut, God is saying, listen, turn to me, and I will help you out of the hole in the rut that you've dug. To those who are hurting, God is saying, turn to me, and I will offer you relief and peace. To the lost, God says, turn to me, and I will give you direction in your life. To those headed for hell, God says, turn to me, and I will offer you everlasting life. To the hopeless, God says, turn to me, and I will give you something worth living for. Repentance is... Not a horrible, terrible thing where I'm going to have to feel shame and guilt. It's a release because I can turn away from what I've done. And God allows that and helps that and leads me to that. And then he gives me what I've always really wanted. A few months ago, maybe some of you met him as well. I met a homeless man on a bench outside of our church. He was one of those who looked like a typical homeless man. He was dirty. He was hungry. He had one set of clothes. That's all I ever saw him in over about six weeks. He lived in them. He slept in them. And they hadn't been washed in forever. He told me his story with a very bitter attitude. I was living in Chicago, he said with my own place and my own job. My little brother was in a gang. And I hated that. And so I tried to go and help him. And while I was talking to him, they shot him. And he died in my arms. And then he said, quote, and from that point on, my life literally went to hell. I moved around, I left town, I lost all self-respect, I don't think I could get a job if I needed one. My bike, he said, was stolen 
right out in front of your church. And I know it's a true story because we actually have that on tape. He said, today I've got nothing and nobody. And life stinks. He came by every day that we were open to get a brown bag lunch. Usually two, three, four, five, until we had to put a limit on it. I think for at least six weeks, we were his only source of calories. He had no hope. None. Zero. I saw him this last Thursday. For the first time since I've talked to him, he was smiling. He drove up in a Phoenix rescue mission van. And they let him out to come and get some brown bag lunches. He said, these people in God are going to help me turn my life around. But and this is where we helped him because he said, but I'm not going to get any food till breakfast. Can I have about five or six of your brown bag lunches? <laughs> no matter what your issues are, no matter how deep a hole you're in, no matter what a mess you've made up your life with the help of others, God allows repentance. And when you turn to Him, He'll help you through it. Now, I don't know if he's yet a believer in Jesus. We didn't really get to clarify that because they were waiting for him. And I went out and talked to him in the van after he got his brown bag lunches. But he had started step one. I'm turning away from my unhealthy, ungodly lifestyle. And with God's help, I'm going to be okay. I look forward to seeing him someday because that's why we preach. That's why we help. That's why we give out brown bag lunches. That's why we're involved in children's in basketball. That's why we care about people because we know that if they'll turn to God in repentance and faith, he can take the world's worst mess and turn it around. Now, you may not be in that deep a situation. Don't wait till you're there. Don't wait till you're homeless and hurting, and haven't had a bath in six weeks. Don't wait till you got no calories other than a brown bag lunch. You're going to get pretty tired of Vienna sausage. I absolutely guarantee it. Wherever you are right now, no matter what the situation is, understand the reality. Our world is broken. We're all guilty. Repentance is needed. Now, I've used that word a lot. Do you know what repentance is? It's the flip side to faith. You really can't separate them. Repentance is turning away from something, and faith is turning to something. Repentance is looking at your sins and your unhealthy issues and your problems and saying, I'm through with you. And faith is saying, God, I'm turning to you because I need your help. Repentance is saying, I've been wrong. Faith is saying, God, I need you to help me make it right. They're the flip side and they work together. Repentance and faith. And that was the heart of what Jesus preached to people. Yeah, you may have messed your life. I'm not telling you that to make you feel guilty. I'm telling you that so you will understand and you will turn to me in faith. You can't separate the two. And so repentance is needed. And too many people have been told what I think is a lie. We had to be careful in our evangelism. 
You hear people on the street, just repeat this prayer after me. Just tell God you believe in him. Listen, they go together. You're turning away from something to something. You can't just continue in an unhealthy, ungodly lifestyle and say, I'm adding faith in Jesus on top of that. It's a change. I'm turning from to, from unhealthy to healthy, from ungodly to godly, from sin to Jesus. Our world is broken. We're all guilty. Repentance is needed. But let me make a final point. God's patience is great, but it is not unlimited. <coughs> Jesus told a parable. He said, a master for three years went to a fig tree expecting fruit. But there wasn't any. And so he said, cut it down. This tree is just wasting good soil and a good location. The manager said, patience, but not unlimited patience. One more year. We'll fertilize it. We'll do everything we need to do. One more year. Give it one more chance. And then if it doesn't, we'll cut it down. So understand what Jesus was teaching. God's patience is great but it's not unlimited. There will come a time for everyone who continually, regularly rejects God in which God just backs off and says, okay, you've made your choice. I don't know what that looks like exactly. I don't know how long that is. But when God says, I've called you to repent time and time and time and time and time again, I've called you to put faith in me time and time and time and time and time again and you've said no okay I'm going to back off you're on your own I hope you understand that is an extremely scary thought that God would say I have great patience incredible patience but it's not unlimited one of the things that pastors do by nature of our job is we're often called in to meet with people right before they die. My wife was a nurse at an ICU unit in Needles, California. And she called me to come in and talk to a man whose family was way far away, so there was no one there but the medical staff. Could you come and talk to him and pray with him? Because I don't think he's going to make it through the day. And I went in and, and I talked to him and, and I shared faith and I shared Jesus with him. And this was the scary thing he told me. He said, you're probably right, Pastor. But I've lived too long to change now. And I told him about the man on the cross, you know, who was hours if not minutes from death and how he put his faith in Jesus and he was saved and he said I've heard that story but this is who I am and this is how I'll die now my prayer and I prayed for him was always that in those moments before death that he heard the word and he called upon Jesus but I don't know I don't know we always assume that someday I'm going to get right with God 
Someday, I'm going to repent of my sin. Someday, I'm going to deal with this bad habit. Someday, I'm going to call upon God and get his help. But every time you say no, you're testing God's patience one more level. So how do we respond? This is what I'm telling you today. Take the words of Jesus personally. Repent, or you too will perish. Don't just take it as philosophical. Don't just take it as Jesus speaking to the Jews. Take it as Jesus speaking to you. Jack, you need to repent. There's issues in your life you need to turn away from. Take it seriously. We're not just playing church. We've got life and death, heaven and hell, eternity in the balance. And so there comes a time in which you take it seriously. God, I messed up. I want to turn away from that, your help. I don't even know if I can do that. It's okay to tell God the truth. I don't even know if I can do that. But I'm going to put my faith and trust in you and allow you to walk me through it. Take it personally. Take it seriously. And then don't wait. Do it. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.